Hello and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. This is episode 21 and it's called For the Love of Socks. Um, I'm waving at you. Hello. Uh, my name is Faye and I'm coming to you from Cheshire in England. Um, and I run a crafting company called Knit It, Hook It, Craft It. I'm, I'm also a crochet designer. And episode 21, I'm a little gobsmacked by that. It's been well over a year. It's probably... It's 18 months now that this podcast has been running. We go out monthly and it's the first Friday of every month. So that means sometimes it can be a four-week gap, sometimes it can be a five-week gap. And episodes, if you're new and just joining us, episodes generally are about an hour and a half, but really like crammed full of information. It's not, well, it is sometimes an hour and a half of me just spraffing absolute rubbish at you. Um, but I try to intersperse that with useful stuff as well. I do get nice feedback from people saying that they find the bits and pieces useful. So I guess that's maybe why you keep on coming back. I know for some of you, it's the Scottish accent. I know for some of you, the Scottish accent probably puts you off because you maybe can't understand me as well as you can the well-enunciated people. Um, but yeah, I am what I am. So that's what I do every month and I love it. I really love the engagement that I've got with you guys on Ravelry and Instagram and um I don't do Facebook, it tends to be Ravelry and Instagram are the two main places that um, we appear. So we have a Ravelry group called the Crochet Circle Podcast and Instagram is crochet underscore circle underscore podcast. So, do I need to tell you anything else? Show notes are at www.thecrochetcircle.podbean.com, I think. But all of the links are in the normal places. If you're picking me up already on audio, then you have come across Podbean or Stitcher or somewhere else, so you know where all the show notes are. And if you're on YouTube, I will put all of the link to the show notes below. And that contains all of the information that I will talk about from the show. If you're a listener, then what I tend to do is photograph all of the projects that I've been working on, anything that I've bought. So please do go to the show notes because all of the links are in there, everything. Make it worth my while for the hours that it takes me to pull together those show notes and go and have a look and use that as a kind of resource bank. Hopefully that's what you do anyway. Right, should we crack on? Should we get on with episode 21? I've got a bit of a new bit, um, which I'm going to call... Um, what am I going to call it? Oh, quick news beats. <laughs> um, and it's just a quick like bullet point of bits and pieces that I wanted to mention as part of the podcast and um, just make you aware of. So the first one, I know it's done the rounds on Instagram. I suspect it has on Ravelry. But many of you will know of Clarisabeth and Caroline from Crochet Cakes podcast. And she lives in Puerto Rico, which um, has been very heavily hit by Hurricane Maria. And we got word via Alison from the Keep, Cal uh, Keep Calm and Carry Yarn podcast that Clarisabeth is actually well. That They've got water and electricity, um, predominantly because they've got solar panels on their house. But their whole family is absolutely fine. But I suspect it might be a while before we hear from Clarisabeth because... You know, the island is in devastation mode. Um, I had a look yesterday at places that you can donate money to um, to help get Puerto Rico back on its feet. 
and I ended up donating money to a charity that was actually set up by Jennifer Lopez, I think. It's called Alianza Somos. And I chose that one specifically because two of the things that they're featuring on are um, communications and power. And if you get power back and communications back up, my feeling is that the rest of the aid effort becomes easier to coordinate and manage because you're it's easier to get infrastructure back in. So I specifically chose that charity because they'd mentioned that in part of their blurb, blurb and I think it's quite important. So provided a link in the show notes. So if you wanted to donate money to Puerto Rico as well, then um, you know, you've at least got one charity there that you can go to. What it actually does is takes you to a site called GoFund.com and then they've got loads of different charities listed specifically for Puerto Rico. So if you wanted to put money more into medicine, then the, those links are within that website. Um, so the next thing I wanted to quickly go through was about logging my projects. I'm asked quite a lot how I log my designs and my works in progress and my finished objects. And at long last, I have pulled together a blog piece on it. I started logging projects properly at the beginning of this year. And now that I've started it, I will never stop. It's such a great back reference library for me to go through to see what I've done, how many stitches I did, even to have a little feel of the yarn that I've been using. So if you're interested in how I do that, I use three different notebooks, but I go through that process for you. There's a blog set up on my website, um, which is called How I Log My Designs, Whips and FOs. And again, links for that will be in the show notes, but you, you just might find it interesting and useful. Um, the other thing that I'm asked about sometimes is setting up a craft group. And I put um, a call out on Instagram. I was I was going to my craft group that I organise and, and look after. And I'd got there early, so I was on Instagram and was talking about it on Instagram and asked the question, would anybody find it helpful if I talked through the process that I went through for setting up a craft group? Because I think it probably applies pretty much globally what I do and how I do it um, and there were a few calls for people coming back saying yes please so just for the sake of those people just to let you know that I will go through it but I won't do it in this podcast I will do a proper blog on it and then have that ready for next podcast next time round because um, we've got quite a lot to do this month There's, this is quite a jam-packed podcast that I've got for you for those that are listening apparently the uh, the the motion that you need to make for jam packed is to roll your fists. This is a jam packed podcast. It might be one of those episodes. Be warned. Um, another quick one is that I bumped into. I didn't bump into her. I went to Yarndale and specifically sought out Vicky Brown because I've talked about her quite a lot on the podcast and her. Um, crochet sock collection book and her yarn as well I've used it a few times and so I went to see her at Yarndale Russell Russell and she gave me a little giveaway for you guys um, just it's nothing big so it's not big skeins of yarn but it's just some nice little goodies and I figured what I would do because the last I think the last competition went out on YouTube so this one's going to be a Ravelry one and if you want to win one of Vicky's iconic temporary tattoos, 
And I say iconic because if you follow her on Instagram, whenever she shows off her yarn, she holds up with a tattoo on her um on the underside of her arm. So it's very much something that you know is Vicky Brown's. Um a little gauge, a wool needle, a 10% off code for her Etsy shop and also a little 10 gram mini skein in the most beautiful turquoise and creams. So if you want to win the little gift bag, it's like a little lucky bag from um, Vicky via myself, then go to the Ravelry thread and all I would like to know is um, what your favourite colourway is from her range. And if you go into the show notes, I've provided a link straight to her shop um, from within the show notes so you can go and have a look at what it is that she's got. Um, so if you want to win that little goodie bag from Vicky, then head to the Ravelry thread. It will be open by the time you are watching this podcast and it will run, um, I'll probably do it for a couple of weeks, but I'll put the details into the into the thread itself. And my final quick news beat is that I have been doing lots of natural dyeing. Now, I don't ever want to be at the point where I am dying for a living. That's not where I'm going with this. But I do have a general interest. My background is in environment, waste management, resource management. And so I'm really intrigued by the idea of using almost like waste products and seeing whether I can do natural dyeing with them. So I had a play a little while, um, probably about four weeks ago. I've been saving up um, onion skins for months and I thought I'll have a little play one day and I split down some skinny merino singles into little nuggets um, that I could dye and I'd collected hawthorn berries and brown onion skins, red onion skins and way back when in the spring I had deadheaded all of my daffodils and kept them aside. So I had a little play and I really thought I'd get something amazing with the hawthorn berry. And this is what happens when you do natural dyeing. Sometimes the colours you think you're going to get, you just you just don't get. So the hawthorn came out as a kind of mucky, creamy, beigey colour. Um, it's still quite nice and it works well with some other colours, but it's just not it's not quite what I was aiming for. So that one was okay. And then uh, the red onion skin came out as a proper dark, dark brown, really rich brown colour. Um, so I quite like that. And again, with the hawthorn, it looks pretty good. The brown onion skins came out in the most beautiful, rusty copper tones. Really gorgeous. And I'm, I'm pleased with that. So one of the things that can happen with um, onion skins and a few other natural... Um, products is that they can be called what is fugitive which means that they will die but the dye will quickly fade especially if it's if the yarn is left in direct sunlight or if it's something that you wash quite a lot so my intention with all of these things is probably to make something that I don't have to wash as often maybe a cowl or a shawl and to not keep them in direct sunlight as well so you need to be a little more aware when you've got something that's made from um, natural dye and the final one which produced this really dirty olivey mustard um, were the daffodil heads but the three the kind of four colours together are really natural gorgeous tones 
and I'm really I'm looking forward to using them and see what I can make with them. But it spurred me on, and I know there's been quite a bit of chatter from lots of us on Instagram about dyeing bits and pieces up and Clorisabeth has done stuff with avocado skins and um, Claudia from the Crochet Luna podcast wants to use some professional acid dyes which I've been playing with as well and so I came um, to the paid of them and said well how do you fancy having a, a dye day where we take to Instagram and we all three of us from three different locations and anybody else globally that wants to join in and we'll have one specific day where we take to Instagram and we show our process and hopefully we can encourage lots of other people to take part as well. And so we've set a date and it's going to be Friday the 27th of October. Now whether or not Clarissa Beth will now be able to take part, I don't know. So Friday the 27th of October is Friday is Dye Day. That's the hashtag to use if you want to get involved. And I know that Beck from Black Horse Yarns is going to be involved and um, Hayley is going to be involved over in Canada as well. So I love the idea we are going to have people dotted globally that are going to be part of um, Friday is Dye Day. And so actually is, and then there was Morgan on Instagram. She went and bought a kit at Yarndale ready for hashtag Friday is Dye Day. So that was my first little foray into natural dyeing, just using bits and pieces that were available to me. And then I wondered what else I could use that was within a very tight perimeter of my household. And I wanted to dye up enough this time now that I had enough confidence to be able to do um <laughs> to be able to do a cardigan. You you know me. I never I don't bulk at things. I I just jump um straight in and go for it. So what I had done was collected a load of acorns. Um, acorns are really good dyeing material because you don't need a mordant, so you don't need something like an alum to actually transfer the um, the colour into the yarn itself. And so I had a load of acorns, enough to dye up 400 grams. And it gave this really beautiful, soft almost peachy pinky beige colour and that which I love and when I went out to I was coming out to my office one day and I found a little sphere really and I didn't know what it was I suspect it was an, an oak gall and I went and investigated and it was an oak gall which is um, what happens is that wasps try to lay their eggs into the bark of oak trees it happens in other trees as well and the tree naturally rejects the eggs and, and the way that it does that is it creates an overload of tannins and pushes the eggs back out. But it comes out in this little spherical nodule and that's the gall and it falls off the tree. Now oak galls have been used for um, creating ink actually for centuries. Oak galls were what were used. And if you get it right and if you use an iron modifier again, you get this really gorgeous soft grey colour with them and that is going to go in with the acorn colours to make my cardigan. So the oak gall grey will be a little bit of a stripe in the cardigan and I think it will be a knitted cardi and an Isabel Kramer pattern. I think that's where I'm heading to with that. So they all came from my driveway, the acorns and the oak galls came straight out of my driveway. 
and when I looked inside the house for inspiration we've got a fire burner in our dining room and I um, looked at it and there was birch bark and quickly took to my favourite um, natural dyeing book which is called Wild Colour by Jenny Dean. If you're even a little bit interested in natural dyeing then I would thoroughly recommend this book. It's full of great information. It's actually full of great information that I think does for most countries as well. There are enough common plants in there that doesn't matter where you're based, you would be able to get hold of something that's um, in this book that you could dye. And just the way that they go through it and show the different colours, depending on which part of the plant you're using, and really go into a lot of detail about using mordants, not using mordants, about using modifiers. And yeah, it's, it's just a really good resource to have at your fingertips. And so I kept the birch bark, soaked it in water for a couple of um, weeks because that was one of the suggestions in the book. And then I simmered it up with, again, more skinny merino singles. And I did an alum mordant on one and not on the other just to see what the colour shift was. And because these will be made into a shawl, it doesn't really matter if they're tonally slightly different. And then again, I used an iron modifier on these. I really love the colours and the yarn smells of birch bark. <laughs> it's really nice. Um, so one's a slightly darker, more pewtery grey in places. And the other goes from a very light pale almost into a silvery colour. So I'm, I'm thinking that for hashtag Friday is dye day, what I might do is a batch of... Um, maybe another 100 grams but using conker shells or husks because again they don't need a mordant and you don't have to use a modifier at the end of the process you can just use the conker husks so if you're interested that would be a great resource that is available at the moment in some countries it's free and so long as you've got a cream um, wool that you can dye up that's all you need to be able to have a little go on Friday is dye day, the 27th of October. And there are loads of other things that you could try as well. I did some um, blackberry dyeing as well, which I'll probably show you next podcast because I'll have finished the, the shawl that I'm doing with that. Um, but there are all sorts of things in nature. And just Google natural dyeing and you'll be amazed with what's probably in your back garden or on one of your country walks or walks down the street that you could actually use for um, dyeing. would love it if you get involved and again all the information is in the, the show notes. Let's move on to old dog new tricks. I've got a really quick one here for you. One of the things that I love is gleaning information about crochet from some of the oddest places and um, this little trick came from somebody on Instagram I think it was and it was just a passing comment and then I tried it and I thought oh it does it does make a difference and it's a way of adding your increases so normally what a pattern would call for let's say it's a double crochet single crochet US terminology you would put two double crochets into one stitch to add a one stitch increase and what this person said was that they always put one stitch in the front loop and one stitch in the back loop um, and whilst it doesn't make a massive amount of difference actually it is a bit neater I think what it does is 
presents the stitches in a nicer format rather than sometimes when you're putting two into one um, you're you're jamming it across the two and it can look quite tight and very obvious that you've got two there but by putting one front loop and one back loop you've still got the increase but you're kind of hiding them out a little bit like I say it doesn't make a massive amount of difference but I do think it's neater and if you're using um, probably a chunkier weight yarn I think that's where it would really come into its own because it would just look um, smoother across any of your increases and and help to hide them out a little bit so give it a give it a try and see what you think of it I don't think it matters if you do front loop then back loop or back loop and then front loop but to be honest I haven't tried that out um, but yeah, just next time you're doing a project that calls for an increase, and it doesn't matter whether it's a um, a double crochet, half treble, treble, whatever it is, just give a try with putting it front loop and back loop and see if it makes a difference for you. I quite like the effect, so much so that I've now started adding that into my patterns because I think it's just one of those little finesse details that gives it a little bit extra. Um, so yeah. A nice quick and easy old dog new tricks for you so we're going to move on to finished objects and I don't have that many for you certainly to talk about under this part of the section because it's been quite a socky month and I will talk about the socks that I've done as part of the book review the step into crochet book review um, and so what I did want to show you, last time round it was a work in progress and this time round it is a finished object. I was test crocheting um, the basket weave cushion cover for Jojo Twinkle Toes um, and I have now finished that. So where Jo and many of the other people were using an iron weight of the Caden Cakes I didn't want to go and buy yarn and I had some of this Arancania Melodon in my um, stash that I wanted to use up. It was actually a shawl that I wasn't wearing and so I frogged it because I figured I could put it to better use and so I have. So this is going to be my outdoor cushion but it's very autumnal feeling and it's just full of all of those beautiful natural um, kind of colours that I would expect to see in October in the UK and what it also did this um, pattern was taught me quite a bit about front post and back post crochet which I hadn't really done a lot of before and I tell you if you want to learn more do a basket weave stitch because at the end of it you will be an expert in understanding where the differences come and how it works and um, I really enjoyed doing this project and it was quick to do um, as well although I did you know that old thing of measure twice cut once I measured twice cut once and still mucked it up <laughs> this is why I don't do much sewing I didn't make the little pocket for my cushion long enough so it's got a bit of a mouth and can talk at the back <laughs> this is why I don't really make project bags and I have the lovely Martine who makes them for me because I'm not sure you would want to buy my project bags <laughs> and Martins are lovely. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's um, my first finished object for September was the basket weave cushion. If you're interested in making it, then check out uh, Jo's Ravelry page. She is Jo Jane's on Ravelry. 
but you probably know her as Jojo Twinkletoes. Um, and it's called the Basket Weave Cushion Cover. Really quick to do and a great way of learning front and back post crochet for sure. Um, my second thing, which is really cute, is a little baby cardigan. It's very sweet. And again, I took to my stash pal for this and I picked out very good this podcast I've got all of my yarn tags ready to go um, so the little baby cardi is um, a light blue and it's sublime cashmerino um, which is a double knit and the lot the shade is 0054 it's really nice to crochet with and it's very soft it is perfect for um, a baby garment and I'll just show that up Really enjoyed working with it. I have worked with it in the past and I had a little bit left in my stash which I wanted to to use up. So it took just 100 grams and this is a size 6 to 12 months. The um, pattern is called Crumpet and it's by Erica Knight. If you're looking for a quick baby cardi that you want to maybe be able to customise and pull together quickly for a present for somebody or for your own child, I thoroughly recommend this pattern. It's very speedy to do, the instructions were really good and it would be just so easy to make your own. You don't have to add the trim if you don't want to. You can add the trim in a second colour as I have done. Um, yeah, really, really nice little addition and I'll tell you in a moment where that's going to. Um, but I did run out of yarn, not because the pattern was wrong, but because I only had 100 grams of the Sublime Cashmerino Silk. And I played yarn chicken and got it finished for the main part of the body. Washed and blocked it. And then afterwards you add the trim and I had some Sublime Extra Fine Merino Wool again in a DK. So it's a slightly different yarn, but it's similar enough in its twist. Um, that it, you wouldn't know that it was a different yarn and that was in shade 0380 and I really quite like the mixture of the light blue with the the darker teal blue I think it gives it a nice vintage feel and I found some little old vintage buttons that I had in my stash and I added them in so one of the reasons, well, I had two main reasons for crocheting up this cardigan. One was I already have a little knitted cardigan that I want to send to Knit for Peace with the card from all of us um, to, to explain what happened with the the funding and explain the festival of finishing and everything that we pulled together during the summer. But I figured given that we're Crochet Circle podcast, I couldn't really send that card off just with a little knitted baby cardi and that what I needed to do was do a crocheted one as well. So that was reason number one. This is heading off to Knit for Peace with a, a knitted cardi as well um, with a card from all of us explaining what we've been up to. But also I um, was very honoured to be asked to do part of the blog hop for the back to school sweater crochet along that um, Helen and Tamara have been pulling together and mine was all about washing, blocking and finishing a project and I thought well really the best way that I can show how you do that within a blog post is to actually photograph all of the stages that I do 
Um, and so what I have done is photographed every part of my finishing process for this little baby cardigan from um, washing it into how I measure out each panel for blocking uh, into sewing it up and how I tested out different stitches choosing the buttons the trim there's all sorts of detail and information in that blog post and given that I knew I wasn't going to finish off my uh, my own jumper by that point and be able to use that for the blog post I needed something really quick and easy and this was it and it's so cute I I love the idea of somebody who needs this having a little warm crocheted cardigan to wear this winter time so that's all heading off to knit for peace um probably the back end of this week I deliberately haven't sent the card and stuff off yet because I wanted to show you the cardigan on the podcast and be able to photograph it for the show notes for those that are listening so soft if you're looking for something that's like a commercial yarn that would be hard wearing um I think and is going to be really baby soft the sublime stuff is lovely very nice and they've got a nice color range as well so that all in all took, I think it was about 110, 115 grams in total. So it's a good little stash project as well. So works in progress. I only have one that somebody else has designed. One work in progress, but it's a whopper. It's a biggie. So I have been working on my hashtag back to school sweater cal top last podcast i was absolute in the fact that i was going to be doing the aberdeen castle cable sweater that was the choice i was using my shillister yarn up which um was inspired by hawthorne berries i read the label properly finally it wasn't dyed with hawthorne berries it is inspired by the color of hawthorne berries I should read things more accurately. Um, but what it is, is a luxury four ply. It's 200 metres per 50 grams. Um, so a, a standard four ply um, weight to meterage. And it is 10% baby alpaca, 10% baby camel, 40% angora and 40% merino lambswool. So it is nice and soft, um, but it does have a little bit of quite crunch but there's almost like a dryness to it which I suspect will change drastically when I wash and block it um, and I have finished one panel very pleased so this is not an Aberdeen Castle cable sweater because I've come to the conclusion that whilst I don't mind a little bit of cabling an entire panel coming up the front of my sweater and down the back is just too much. I found it really slow going. I don't have an issue reading charts. I could, you know, I actually sometimes just prefer a chart for crochet. Um, but I just, it was just too slow going for me. I just wasn't enjoying the process. And I really want to make a beautiful garment for Helen and Tamara's crochet along. And... I was not in love with the Aberdeen Cable sweater. The pattern's well written. It's not an issue with the pattern. It is literally that I did not enjoy the technique. Um, and so I swapped out. 
And what I swapped out to was a jumper that I have been looking at for a long time. It's called Sicily and it's another Rowan pattern. Rowan are pretty good at making their crochet patterns free of charge on their website and through Ravelry. And I would say it's worth signing up to and subscribing to their website. It's free of charge and you, you get access to quite a lot of stuff. Um, this is actually a Marie Wallen pattern as Liala was um, and so I know from Liala that the pattern is good to work from can be a little sparse at times in terms of direction but if you've got the confidence to understand the construction then you're fine to get on with it and know what you're doing and just have the confidence to do what you think is right um, and I've really enjoyed doing this first panel now what I was planning on doing this is the back panel so it's slightly high on my neck I was going to wear a jacket on the outside and pretend that I had finished my jumper. I was going to do, um, you know, Howard from <laughs> The Big Bang Theory has got like mini turtlenecks where he doesn't have a full turtleneck on. It's just a panel and the neck roll. I was going to do the same and just pretend and then take my jacket off and you would see that actually I had only done one panel. So that's why it's still a whip. And I had told her, I'm seeing Helen on Saturday actually, I told her that if I haven't finished this by um, when I see her on Saturday, then I will eat yarn. I haven't yet started the front panel. I rather suspect I'm going to be eating yarn, Helen. <laughs> I shouldn't have made such bold promises when I knew I had a busy week. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying the the jumper that I'm making what it does is you start bottom up and as you split split for the arms you don't really split for the arms you just start adding in stitches to create the arms so you it's quite fast because you don't have the joining you don't have horrible seams coming out and once you've done the back panel and the front panel you are just seaming the two together and then adding a bit of cuff um, around the bottom I don't think you add any cuff to the bottom part of it and rib to the bottom part of it. I think it is just around the arm cuff. So really quick to work up. And although the pattern calls for a four ply cotton, I've actually found that the Schillister is working really nicely for it. And all in all, I think I will only need about 350 grams of yarn to make this whole thing. Whereas I think with the cotton, um, which is on a very similar yardage, you need about 800 grams for the size that I've done. So quite an economical way of doing it and having something that's a bit warmer as well. So dare I make a bold promise and say that I'll have it done for next podcast? I, prob I probably will. I might not promise that I'll eat yarn if I haven't, but um, I suspect I will have this done. And I've been doing that on a 3.5mm hook, which is a USE 4. So speedy, like the yarn, I really think I'm going to like the finished um, project as well, which is good. But that is my only work in progress. So what I wanted to do was show you what my next work in progress will be because I'm going to have to get this one on the hook um, as I'm doing the jumper as well. You may remember I said last time on the uh, podcast that I'm one of my designs is going to be part of a crochet along with Olin and. 
and the design is called crisscross. And so what it means is that All and And will have the pattern up on their website in November, free of charge. And so if you fancy joining in, please do and come and have a go at doing crisscross. I really love this version of it. I did it with Tanya TG Frog's yarn, which is limestone and strata. And it comes out at, I think it's about 350 metres per 100 grams. So it's quite a, a bulky four ply compared to some of the other um, fingering weight four plies that you can get. And it's a lovely um, warm shawl. And so what I need to do is work on the YouTube tutorial. But to do that, it does feel a bit outlander. That's one of the things I love about it in Tanya's yarn is it's got that very natural look and feel to it and it does feel like something that Claire might have worn when she was on the back of her horse going over the moors. Is everybody watching Outlander? Are you all on it? It is trash. I think we probably all know it's trash but we can't help ourselves in watching it. We call it Fifty Shades of Kilt in our house because it is just a bit like soft porn in places. <laughs> so Fifty Shades of Kilt is what we call Outlander. But yeah, um, this is my kind of Outlander shawl. I really like it. But to really ring the changes and show how you can use the same pattern in a completely different yarn, when I'm pulling together the YouTube tutorial, because I'll have um, the one in Tanya's yarn, is it short? It is. It's shorelines and strata. Sorry, not limestone. The colour is limestone. It is shorelines and strata. <sighs> Sorry, Tanya. That was a boob. Um, to show the complete contrast with Tanya's yarn, I am doing it in something which has got luminous yellow or almost like a luminous teal. It's got a bluey-grey background colour and then this luminous yellow greeny teal colour coming through this is quite far out of my comfort zone I don't really crochet in such bright colours but I figured it's a crochet along I need to move out of my comfort zone and try something different so this has come from um green elephant yarns Fiona at green elephant yarns and she dies in Ireland I picked this up when I was over at Yarn Folk Vending. It's really beautiful yarn. I kind of was running it through my fingers as um, I was winding it up into the cake today. So I'm looking forward to getting this on the hook and um, seeing how what looks like quite a traditional shawl, just seeing how different it will look in really funky colours. It's either going to look amazing no I'll stop there it's gonna look amazing that's it it's gonna look really cool in these colors otherwise I wouldn't have chosen them would I I wanted something that still brought a bit of color but wasn't so overpowering that you lost the stitch definition in the crisscross parts of the pattern and I think with this yarn and the thinness of it um, compared to Tanya's yarn that definition will really come out and one of the other things I will do with the pattern is this um, this one that I've got actually is 425 metres compared to the 350 of Tanya. So there's going to be quite a lot of yarn left with the two skeins that I've got. 
And so what I'm going to do is provide a pattern extension. So if you want to make it bigger, because whilst it's not a small shawl, it could go it could go longer um, and deeper, then I will provide the pattern extension for that, for the Olaland version, and probably mark it off for um, two skeins at 350 metres, two skeins at 400 metres, and two skeins at 425. So depending on what you've got, you get a good idea of how far you could take your... Um, your shawl out and you know roughly where to stop yeah I'm looking forward to that one I've been dying to get that hooked up for uh, well really since I got the yarn and I, I grabbed this back from Tanya when I was at Yarndale because she um, she had it on her stand so looking forward to doing it again and um, yeah just seeing how it works out with this bad boy it's called a gym nut by the way so if you like the colorway and you wanted some for yourself uh links are in the show notes this one is called gym nut and it is fiona's from green elephant yarns in ireland watch this space for a future whip right which brings me on to dips <laughs> um i'll mention her in big up but i've been watching um dion is Day designs i've been watching her podcasts and she's very out there about her design process not with everything because some things she needs to keep back as i do but for the things that she's putting out for herself she's pretty good at putting it out on the podcast and showing people what she's up to and so i figured I'll do the same this time round because I'm working on a new design. And then what I'm interested in knowing from you guys is, is that something that you're interested in? Are you interested in the design process? Do you want to see how thoughts and ideas come about and then how they get translated into designs? So I thought I'll start with one today and then if it's something that you like, I will then um, talk, I will bring dips... <laughs> So you'll have FO's whips dips as part of the podcast. Um, so excuse a little bit of crinkling. So as I've already mentioned, I went to Yarndale. And when I was at Yarndale, um, Beck from Black Horse Yarns pointed me towards Rivernet Yarns. I'd never seen their stuff before. And I was instantly in love like John Arbin textiles instantly in love Erica Knight yarn instantly in love and I've I found I found another company that has a great ethos that I really admire and has got the colorways I love and I I immediately saw a design when I um, went to Becky and Marcus's stall and uh, what she does, well, what they do, because actually they're a, a dyeing jewel, they have lots of minis, a bit like John and Juliet's Knit by Numbers range, similar concept, where you can come down through the tones of specific colours. And their colours range from, for those that are watching, you can see them behind, um, really nice mustards, kind of coppery tones, um green purple red going right the way through the rainbow but then going from brights through to muted through to very pale colors 
I've provided a link in the show notes. Go and have a look at their shop because their dyeing is incredible. And I don't say that lightly. Their dyeing is incredible. And I was kind of transfixed by their minis gradient wall. And Becky and her friend knew were really good at picking out colours for me. So I needed five colours for the design and a base colour as well. So the base that I went for is the Rivernet's BFL, which is Blueface Leicester Splendiferous Sock. And it is 70% Superwash Blueface Leicester, 20% Silk and 10% Cashmere. And it's 400 metres per 100 grams. So it's a rather nice base to be working from. It's a really nice dark pewtery grey colour with some tonal shifts in there but not a great deal so pretty much it's it's really quite even and it is soft and it is nice to work with and again I know that it's going to soften up and bloom even more upon washing and wearing. So that was purchased as the base of my design and then I got five little minis which crinkle crinkle they come in 20 gram skeins and these ones were 100% Blueface Leicester. And when I saw them, I just, I knew instantly that there was a cowl design that I wanted to work up. So I had worked this stitch into a shawl that I've been designing for somebody else. It's a little puff stitch. And if you double up the puff stitch and put a chain in between, then it creates almost like wheat or barley ears. And unfortunately, I couldn't use it in the shawl that I've been designing because it just it didn't look quite right in the context of the overall shape of the shawl. But it got logged away there for a future design, knowing that I would have to use it quickly because um, it was in there and it just it was bursting to come out this design. So when I saw Becky and Marcus's um, minis, I knew instantly that that had to become a cowl using the five colours and using them right the way round the cowl. So you've got the five strands going vertically, creating ears of corn with a rib at the bottom and using the splendiferous sock as a really nice base. And what that means is that the bits that are really touching your, your neck and what are quite often the, the more delicate parts of your skin have got this really lovely soft um, kind of luxurious base to it. I love this cowl. Um, it, I've now finished all of the colour work part of it. So the photos that you'll see in the show notes show you as much colour work as there will be. I've already done the row of double crochet, single crochet in the US, um, which is at the top. And then over the next couple of days, I will do the ribbing at the top. So the ribbing is probably about two centimetres. So I've got that to finish up on the top and then I've got a lovely finished off cowl which if I put it on is perfectly sized I quite like sometimes a tighter cowl that will sit in underneath your jacket and when the wind is really blowing a hoolie you can dip your mouth into and your nose and really keep yourself warm that to me is a proper sized snuggly cowl that actually does a proper job for keeping the wind out and just keeping you warm and being able to curry down into and keep warm and I love I just really love this design 
So this is going to be called barley. Um, and actually I measured the colours before I came out and there is enough in each of the five little nuggets of colours and enough of the base yarn as well for me to design up certainly a hat and most likely a hat and a pair of mittens. So this is going to be the barley set and I think what I'll do is sell it as a set, separate mittens, separate hat, separate cowl or as a cheaper alternative the entire set itself. So watch this space on this one. Um, but yeah, that's that's how barley came about, completely in awe of the colours and seeing how a stitch that I previously used just had to come to life. I should not have been working on this. I got this yarn a week and a half ago. This is not what I should have been working on, but sometimes other designs push through and you have to just, you have to get them out. <laughs> and that's how barley was. This just had to come out and be done. So you might not see the hat and the mittens just quite yet. It might take me, you know, another month or so to get them because of other deadlines. But know that this is coming and keep a little eye out for barley. So one of the other things that I wanted to mention with that is that um, I am looking for test crocheters. I'm actually looking for two things. So for my design work and um, what I do with my design under Faye Dashper Hughes Designs, um, I'd really like to get some test crocheters, like a nice little group of people that can react to a design reasonably quickly but have enough people on the list that maybe if there were 15 people, if only three people could t test crochet, then that's fine, that would be three people. Um, I like test crocheting for other people, I don't mind test crocheting for other designers. Um, it's not because I want to pinch their design, it's just because I. it's really useful feedback to have somebody who um, knows the, the process, so like doing the cushion for Jojo, it was good to be able to pass feedback to her and uh, know that I was I was of help to her and I, I like that part of the process. Um, so if you're interested, I will put my email address into the drop down box for YouTube and it will be in the show notes for Podbean and I'll pop it into Ravelry as well. And then what I'll probably do is have a bank of you on email um, keep it quite separate of the um, Crochet Circle podcast because it's not something that I, that I really want to be part of the podcast. But if anybody is interested in test crocheting, then please do get in touch with me. Likewise, I would find it really helpful and useful if anybody was interested in being part of a kind of product feedback team. I have lots and lots of ideas coming out of my head with stuff that I can do with my company, Knit It, Hook It, Craft It. And I've got so many, I control a lot of the manufacturing of the things that I sell. Um, and that's very specific to what I want to do with the business and have as much control as possible over quality materials where items are manufactured. What would be really helpful to me is if people could give me feedback on whether they think a product would sell or not or why they wouldn't buy it or whether they've got any ideas for a slightly different take on the idea that I've got. 
So if anybody is interested in being part of a kind of product feedback panel, I would love to hear from you because otherwise it's me on my own in this office occasionally pestering people like Claudia and saying, what do you think of this, Claudia? And getting feedback from her. Um, or Matthew. Matthew just gets sick of it. What do you think of this idea? What do you think of this idea? It would be really nice to be able to have people to bounce off that are actually crafters um, uh, beyond Matthew. Um, it would be really nice. So if you're interested in that, please, again, um, send me a quick email. I'd love to hear from you. Um, Next up is a book review that I've been working on. Um, I've been working towards this for probably about two months now. When I do a book review, I like to have worked up at least two of the patterns from any one of the books, which means that I don't do them very often, but when I do do them, they're quite in depth. And the one that I am reviewing for you today is Step Into Crochet by Ron Strong. I really struggle to say Ron Strong because what I want to say is Ron Swanson and that is entirely the fault of Jojo Twinkletoes because she put me on two parts in recreation and if you've watched it, you know how important Ron Swanson is. Sorry, slightly distracted because a little spider has just come tumbling down my studio light and gone back up. Luckily he's not that big. There's a beast of a spider somewhere to my right and I mean like gnaw your hands off beast of a spider. I'm just pretending he's not there but I know he's there somewhere in and about the blind that I've got. He can just stay put and not come out and play. Right back to the book review. Um, yes so this is by Ron strong not Swanson um, it's an interweave publication and it is all about crocheted socks and there's growing interest in crochet socks as part of the crafting scene um, I think in part because knitted socks are so big and us crocheters don't like to be outdone <laughs> and there's a lot of inaccuracy about the way that people feel about crochet socks thinking that they would be too bulky that they wouldn't be comfortable and books like this and also Vicky Brown's sock collection, crochet so sock collection book really set the scene for the fact that crochet socks can be just as comfortable and beautiful as knitted socks. Um, so let me take you through some of the details of the book and I'm going to refer to my notes here because I really had to marshal my thoughts on this book. Um, and actually the act of crocheting socks because it's it's quite a specific thing to do and it has some caveats. So I was really lucky that I was given this book by Claudia from the Crochet Luna podcast as part of a little parcel that she gave me. I didn't know that the book was coming out and um, subsequent to receiving it from Claudia I've seen it you know all over the place it's been hugely popular. Um, so what I wanted to start with were some of the caveats of crocheting socks because I think those caveats have to be taken into account before you hear the rest of this review otherwise you, you might be coloured, your understanding of my review might be coloured by what I have to say. So first up is that I have got long thin pointy feet 
like my big toe is massive and my feet go into a proper <laughs> jaunty angle point and um, that can make getting a proper fit on knitted and crocheted socks a little more difficult so I usually have to do a, a bit more work to get a crocheted sock that will fit me properly. I also have really thin ankles. Um, I am blessed, although I'm, you know, I'm curvy, um, but I have got quite thin legs and thin ankles. But again, that can create an issue because they're thinner than I think a standard knitted and crocheted sock would have it. Um, so standard patterns tend not to fit me as well. And I usually have to move up hook sizes, come down stitch sizes. So my knitted sock is based on 56 stitches where most people would use 60, 64 I use 56 and a 2.5mm needle. Um, I also have an aversion to working with anything below a 3mm hook. I just, I don't like it, I don't like the feel of it in my hand and just how long it feels a project is going. So even with something that is prescribing a 2.5mm hook, I will find a workaround for it and move up to a 3mm hook. And so that's what I did with some of the patterns within this book. Um, and the other caveat that I would put is not specific to me and my preferences it's actually just about crocheting or knitting socks when you're new to it I think you have to expect to have some sacrificial socks you are going to have socks that won't fit you as well as others until you actually understand the anatomy of your foot and whether you've got a high instep whether you've got extremely pointy feet compared to what a basic pattern has got, um, how wide you want it to be, how tight a fit you want the sock to be. And to get to that point of knowledge, you have to have some sacrificial socks, I'm afraid. So given that this was a new to me book and I tried three different patterns, that meant there was a bit of sacrificing that went on. So what I want to do is talk you through how I find the book in general, and also um, talk through the specific patterns that I worked on and show you examples of those ready-made socks as well. Let's just check I did all of that. Yeah. So the book is very detailed and I love that. There are sections on um, sock construction, on the differences in sock yarn. There's even a little bit where you can write in your foot measurements and then the measurements that you should be working to because they're usually slightly smaller than your foot measurements. So it's a really good guide on crocheting socks and understanding the anatomy of your foot and the different parts that make up a sock and that you need to be aware of when you're starting a project out. There are 16 patterns in the book, but in reality there are 18 because two of the patterns are written for um, toe up and cuff down, so you, you've, out of those two patterns, you actually get four. Um, patterns build up really nicely, going from plain at the beginning through to um, a bit more detail in the cuffs, some lace work, some cable work. So you could go right the way through this book as a complete sock crocheting novice, right the way through to something that's really quite detailed and learn loads of techniques in between. Um, I liked that a lot, that you could build your skills as you went along. Um, what I particularly liked was that lots of the 
toe and heel constructions in the patterns are different. So he's not just applying, applying one way of doing a toe and one way of doing the heel. You're getting lots. And from the way that I've read the patterns, it wouldn't be that difficult to interchange them from one to the other. So if I say, like, you have a high-end step and you find a crocheted heel that really works for you, then you could just change out for that heel construction in the next pattern. Um, if it had a, a slightly different heel construction. So that's really helpful as well. You're learning quite a lot as you go through this book. So I worked on three patterns over four different yarns. Um, and I, I chose deliberately to work on three different patterns. But so that I could do the yarn review as well, I chose three patterns that all had the same stitch on the sole of the foot, which was an extended as the book has an extended single crochet, which is an extended double crochet in the UK. And what that meant was when I was testing out the wearability and durability of um, each of the yarns, then one wasn't favoured over the other because it had a denser stitch or it was slightly looser fitting. They were all exactly the same on the sole of my foot for the day that I wore each of them. And so the three patterns I picked out were the Gorman Street toe-up, um, which I did in two different yarns, and I showed them in the last podcast. And then I moved on to the Mordecai, which is a cabled sock, um, cuff down, um, really nice to do, cabling just on the cuff and then going into a standard um, stitch pattern right the way down through the foot and the sole and then my third pattern that I did was the azalea which is another ankle sock and it was toe up and it's got a really nice honeycomb texture pattern on the top and then the extended single stroke double crochet um, sole again. So four really quite different socks, testing out quite a bit of different um, construction with them. So the things I loved about this book were the detail given on the um, construction and sizes. I think almost every pattern is given in three sizes. And for some of them, like the Gorman Street top sock, I wanted a size that was smaller than the one that they had. Their biggest is a 44 stitch. And I created this as a 40 stitch sock and actually the maths were really easy to work out. I probably could have done the 44 stitch had I used a 2.5mm hook. But um, after I'd worked it out I knew that I was fine with the 3mm and going down to 40 stitches. Um, so I, re I really liked that about it. The stitch guide for each pattern. So if there's a specific stitch, let me pull you up to one. If there is a specific stitch for each pattern, then it's at the very top of the pattern. Um, I like that because quite often what you get is that stitch guide is in a glossary at the back, but actually it's at the top of page one in this book. So you're not having to flick through lots of different pages. It's very easy to bookmark it and know that everything that you need to know is within those few pages of that pattern. I thought that was a really nice way of dealing with it and it's always bolded out so you know what you're looking for once you've understand the the way that the book is laid out um the designs fit really well and they're easy to adapt to your preferred length of cuff and quite often they'll say that in the pattern 
work to your desired length of cuff so it's not very prescriptive. Of course, it means that your yardage would change, um, but you can kind of make the socks your own. And some of the examples that I saw in Ravelry, people had done exactly that and added more cuff if they wanted more cuff to it. Um, so I like the fact that you can chop and change with these designs and really get something that works for you. I also like the photography in the book. I thought it was very helpful that it was done in multiple ways. So you really get to understand how the socks would look. And they always have this photo where one foot is flat and one foot is photographed showing the back of the heel. So it gives you a really good idea how the heel construction works and how it should be looking on your sock. So within the photos that you've got for each pattern, you get like almost a full 3D image of the sock and you know exactly what it is that you're working to. That's really helpful. I do get a bit miffed with people that have done like really nice photography but you don't know what the end project is actually going to look like and that happens quite a lot with design so that's something that I really wanted to pull out as part of this review that that's not the case with this book you understand exactly what it is that your your project is meant to look like you've got a nice guide a nice image guide there's a real mix of length of socks as well and quite a few ankle socks which is great because not everybody wants big long socks so what I like is they've been presented as ankle socks but it's quite easy to adapt them to make them longer but you've then got that choice. It wasn't all rosy though and at times I found that small parts of the patterns were missing which is quite frustrating. In Mordecai in particular the stitch um, guide for the foundation double chain crochet in the US was incomplete so that bit that was um, saying was good at the top and in the blued out area it was incomplete from one of the the initial part of the Mordecai socks um, which isn't so much of an issue for me because I know what uh, um, a foundation double chain looks like and I know how to do it so I was able to know that it was wrong but if you'd never done it before and you were looking at that as a completely new technique for you to learn you'd have been flummoxed so that's that's not great. In the azalea pattern, the written instructions are incorrect. Mm. Um, there are little bits and pieces like that that aren't just quite right. Um, and I found that, I think, in every single one of the three patterns I used, there were slight niggles with the patterns in themselves. Now, they weren't big issues for me because, as I said, I can find a workaround and I've crocheted and knitted enough socks that I kind of have a good understanding of what I should be expecting. But if you're completely new to it, then you might want to take to the Ravelry pages and look for errata and really read through the pattern so that you understand exactly what it is that you're meant to be doing before, um, before you start even hooking on. What I would say is, with the issues that I found, what it feels like is that it needed a more a tech edit and that's really um it's really hard editing patterns it's a really difficult thing to do you think you've caught everything and you haven't and even you know you can look at something 10 times over and you still haven't caught something and you know patterns do go out with mistakes my patterns have gone out with mistakes and I try and rectify them as quickly as possible um and so it happens but when you put it in print you really multiply the issues there 
So I would say have a look online on the Interweave website and on Ravelry to see if anybody else has overcome those issues. I had a quick check on Interweave last night and I didn't find any errata for this book. But on Ravelry, people have started posting up their socks already and there is there are some discussion points where they've had issues. So I would definitely reference that before you start and put yourself slightly further ahead. But they aren't massive issues, but it's just something that you need to be aware of. That said, I would still recommend this book. It's a really good book. It's full of lots of great patterns. I think you just need to go into it understanding that you might have to refer to a computer every now and then. So the way that I reviewed the yarn is based on how I felt it was for crocheting it up and then how I felt it was when I was wearing it. So I've mentioned already that I went to Yarndale. I went on both days. So on the Saturday, <laughs> I wore odd socks. So on the Saturday, I wore my Regia four-ply version of the Gorman Street toe-up sock on one foot and on the other foot I wore the other Gorman Street toe-up sock but that was done in the Sockshire yarn and the Sockshire yarn was my favourite one to crochet with and it was my favourite one to wear over the course of the weekend. It doesn't split, you get a really nice even um, finished project with it there was, I haven't I haven't actually washed these socks since Yarndale because I wanted to show you what they were like. There is some felting on the heel and it has opened out a little bit on the sole but that is more to do with the fact that I used a 3mm hook. Had I used a 2.5mm hook that would have been a lot tighter. It still would have spread out a little but it would have been a lot tighter. So these were my favourite to hook with and also my favourite to wear for a full day. I, I didn't have any issues with this, didn't feel them on my feet. At no point was I aware of my feet hurting or um, being drawn in any way by this sock. So, good sock. With the regular one, I reported back last time, that is the, um, it's the four-ply and it's their colour range. I hated crocheting with this yarn I absolutely hated it I will never crochet with it again Um, it just split a lot it didn't have I mean it looks like it's got quite a high twist but it just split and I spoke to somebody else at wool gathering and they said that it split for them even when they were knitting and it wore pretty well there's very little um felting on the heel and it didn't really open up on the bottom of the sole. It was comfortable, it was warm. So on the on the wearing point of view, it was absolutely fine. I just don't want to ever crochet with it again. So I am actually going to wash this sock, let it dry, and then I'm going to frog it because I know that it knits okay. It knits a lot better than it crochets. So I'm just going to knit up a pair of socks with it instead. Because it's lovely and warm, but I have no wish to crochet with it ever again. Um, and then on the Sunday, having already done the review for the first two, I wore my Azalea sock, which is a kind of, it's called Nutmeg, and it's the West Yorkshire Spinners four-ply signature. And then on my other foot, I had on the Mordecai sock, which is Lang Yawol 
in their superwash and that is the one that comes with the reinforcement thread which I put into the toe but not the heel. Slightly more difficult to put um, reinforcement thread into the heel of a crocheted sock. So they were another two interesting yarns to work with. The Lang Yaw wool was really nice. It doesn't split. It's warm, it's it's a bit thinner like the Sockshare one is, which is clearly something that I prefer. And it doesn't have a big halo to it, so it it doesn't catch on your hook. Um so that was that was nice to work with. I enjoyed that. The West Short Spinners, I've I've knitted quite a few pairs of socks with this and really liked it. I didn't enjoy crocheting with it either though, I'm afraid, because it split and it has quite a lot of a fibre halo on it which tended to get really caught up on my hook. Not as bad as the Regia but not far behind it to be honest. So yeah I don't think I would crochet with this again. That said I did have a little play around with it moving up to a 3.5mm hook and it created far fewer issues with a 3.5mm hook. So I would use it for shawls or if I needed a chunkier pair of socks um, but that would mean me doing even more maths for crocheting socks with it. So it's not an out and out no but it wouldn't be one that I would rush to go and crochet with. Um, but I do, I love the colour, it's that lovely burnt orangey brown colour. Um, so I'm a bit gutted about that because I really thought that would be better. So in terms of uh, how it felt on the day, the azalea was absolutely fine, which is the West Yorkshire Spinners one. It was comfortable. It's felted quite a lot on the heel. It didn't really open out on the bottom, but it is a slightly chunkier yarn than the Lang Yawol or the um, Crochet Yeah. Um, so yeah, nice. At one point, I think my foot probably overheated a little bit in this, but it wasn't wasn't too bad and then the Lang Yawol which is the grey one really felted and opened out on the heel of the sock and on the sole and on the bottom of the heel at the sole as well even to the point that this was the only sock that I had any awareness of discomfort with and it was maybe you know, we started at the show at 10 and maybe by about half two, you know, when you can feel something drawing your foot in, that is what this one did. So again, whilst I like this one for knitting socks with, I'm not sure that I would crochet more socks with it unless I went down to a 2.5mm hook. And that's really why I was referencing the caveats at the beginning of this review, because some of it is about my own preferences having an impact on the patterns and the yarn themselves and I still definitely recommend that people um, go and get it and to that end I have actually been in touch with the UK distributors for this publication it's FW Media speaking to a lovely lady called Jade and she has offered up a discount to podcast listeners um, it is a UK based discount I tried to get it extended to other areas of the globe but she can't she can't do that so what they are offering is £5 off and you also get free postage and packaging. So if you wanted a copy of um, Step Into Crochet and you're based in the UK, it retails for £16.99 and you can actually get it for £11.99 including P&P. &P. And all you need to do is phone through your order. 
The phone number is 01206 I'll put all of that detail into the show notes and I'll also put it in the drop down box. And the offer is actually available until the 15th of December 2017. So if you've got a crocheter that's um, very capable, then this might be quite a nice Christmas present for them. And what you need is a code, which is KHC117, capital letters, KHC117. But again, I'll pop all of that into the drop-down box. I also asked her, because I know across the crochet podcasters, there's quite a lot of interest in, in um, crocheted socks. And I said, is it okay if other podcasters pass out this information, the discount code, and the um, the phone number, and she said, not a problem, um, absolutely fine. And I'm going to share this review with Jade as well. So um, what I hope is that the review hasn't sounded really damning because it's not meant as such. It's, it just feels like a little more care and time need, was needed in the tech editing. But if you've got the wherewithal about you and you're a confident crocheter, not an issue at all. You'll be able to create some really beautiful crocheted socks. I'm moving on to feeding the habit. I won something. I never win stuff. Like, ever. I don't think I'm an unlucky person at all. I think I'm really quite fortunate. You know, I've got a very nice life and very few knocks and bumps along the way. But I'm not one of these fluky people that seem to always win the raffle prizes and a tenner here on the lottery. That, that just is not me. The last thing that I won actually was um, a pattern with Sockmetician um, podcast. He picked out a pair of my knitted socks. And prior to that, um, I think I was five and I was at a children's party and you had to guess the number of marbles in a jar. And I guessed the number accurately. And by the time that the dad was handing out the prizes, he'd given them all away. And there weren't any prizes left. And he said, oh, I'll sort you out later, I'll sort you out later. And as we were leaving, I said, is there a prize? And he didn't have one, so he went to his fruit bowl and gave me a banana. <laughs> That's about the sum total of my winnings. A banana. Can you imagine a five-year-old accurately guessing the number of marbles in a jar and then receiving a banana? I hate bananas that's another family story as to why I totally dislike bananas they make me feel sick so when and then what I won was a banana which makes it all the sweeter when I win something amazing um I was talking through the summer about the fact that I'd been pitching into the keep calm and carry yarn podcast they had the cal cal running where you um put into their thread all of the projects that you'd finished and then they were totting up all of the yardage to see whether the knitters were knitting more yardage than the crocheters were crocheting and the crocheters won. Um, I was putting in for both to balance up a little but I'm fairly sure my crochet way topped um, what I had with the knitting. So I was listening to the um, podcast and I got a, a ping from Alison to say that I had won their prize and I was gobsmacked because it just doesn't happen to me and that I should look out for a parcel and they needed my address 
And then an amazing parcel arrived. So um, Alison podcasts with her mum, Vivian, and Vivian's in the US and Alison is in Scotland. But Vivian is also a sewer and she has Pearl and Plum, which is an online shop and she makes bags. She doesn't just make any old bags though. She makes amazing bags um, and they, you can see them at pearlandplum.etsy.com. This thing is huge and like it's the bag for my project bags. It's done in a houndstooth black and white material with a red trim and a charcoal grey bottom which has been reinforced so you've got something that's really durable. Lovely long handles, um, a magnetic clip, a little spring chain to put your keys into, loads of pockets inside the bag as well. It's just, and it's, um, it's got that poly lining, so it just it's just amazing. Her stitching is incredible. I, I pinged Vivian back an email to say, your stuff is just amazing, and it is. It's just the design, the little bits of finessing that she does on her design, just amazing. Um, so I, I love it, and this has come out. So when I go to wool gathering, and I put all of my projects into this bag or when I go to the um, the old lady group that I go to once a month, the Hobgoblins, I put all my projects into this bag and it's just absolutely perfect. So thank you that I got to win and I got something so cool. They also sent me a um, Keep Calm and Carry Yarn pin. I'm going to have to um, start adding pins to a bag. And the most luxurious sock yarn in a real, it's red, and you could only describe it as Christmas red. It is proper berry Christmas red. It's beautiful, and it's by Alpa, it's Alpaca Socks, classic elite yarns, and it says treat your feet exquisite fibres in fabulous colours. That is a very true statement, and it's sixty percent alpaca, twenty percent merino, and twenty percent nylon. Um, and you do it on 5.5mm needles but actually I do the the sock pattern I've got one lined up which is an Aran weight sock pattern and that's nobody is getting their little paws on them this is all for me I'm going to make myself a pair of socks a little pair of Christmas socks so thank you very much for sending that to me and for I was going to say letting me win. You didn't let me win. But thank you very much for not giving me a banana is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I want something that wasn't fruit. Go me! <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. And if, you're, if you are in the market for a bag, Pearl and Plum, absolutely incredible um, stitching. Really beautiful. Uh, check Vivian out. They're, they're just lovely. I've pointed you towards their podcast before. It's on YouTube and also on Podbean, um, sorry, iTunes. So it's audio and you've got two ways of getting it. It's a really lovely um, mother-daughter podcast. I, I really enjoy listening to Alison and Vivian and uh, receiving not bananas. Thank you. So that was part of my feeding the habit. I'm going to pop that in there. And then what else happened? So much good stuff has happened. It's been a real bumper month. I went to 
Yarndale. And on the Saturday I went with Beck from Black Horse Yarns. And on the Sunday I went with um, Charlie from Love Charlie Podcast. So, because um, I wouldn't take... I was going anyway, so I would not accept uh, petrol money from them. But Beck, knowing this in advance, um, sent, gave me some of her hand-dyed yarn. So, Beck and I, on the Friday before Yarndale, had been dyeing up some skeins for some... Um, design projects that I want to work on and start selling kits in through the business and she'd show me what was in her little basket of joy and she had the most amazing colourway which is a very light kind of almost grey base with really deep deep teal, lighter teal and deep rusty orange, you know all of my colours um, and I think it was based on koi carps so if you imagine the colours of koi carps that's what she has created in this yarn. And so this was my present for taking her to Yarndale. It is amazing. I've added a photo and it's in the show notes. So go and take a look at what Beck has been working on. Um, yeah, I love, love, love this. And I think, again, this is going to be another pair of special, special socks. Um, I'm slowly but surely booting out all of my shop-bought socks out of my wardrobe. I tend not to um, gravitate towards them at all, um, but I do need to wear them out. I'm not just going to throw them out. So um, slowly, slowly, I'm getting to the point where I only have handmade socks in my wardrobe, apart from trainer socks. They're the only ones that I don't hand make yet. Um, so yeah, I got these little goodies from Beck. They are just beautiful. I love the colours. Um, yeah, so I'm going to have to find some nice contrast heels to work with them. And then what else happened? I went to Yarndale and I did buy some yarn for designs that I won't show you yet. I'll wait until I've worked them up into designs. You saw the river knit stuff that I had. And um, again, because Charlie knew I wouldn't accept any uh, like petrol money, she bought me a set of six minis from River Knits in all of my lovely deep autumnal colours and she'd picked them out specifically. So I have got a set of six 20 gram mini skeins that I can work into something amazing. I'm not sure what yet, it might be another River Knits based design because I really love their yarn. Um, so much so that I actually went and interviewed them. So one of the things that makes River Knits very different is that they actually die on their canal boat so they go up and down the canals and they go to different locations and they live and they die on their boat and when I met them at Yarndale Beck told me that they were uh, moored up at Wheelock now if you follow me on Instagram whenever I post predominantly it will say Winterley and Wheelock so they were moored up like half a mile from my house as the crow flies. So when I learned that and I'd seen how gorgeous their dime was, I'd said to Becky, can I please come and interview you? I'm absolutely intrigued at how you live and have a dye studio on a canal boat. And so that's what I did on the Tuesday after Yarndale. I went and um, met her and Marcus and sat and had coffee with them and had a really nice chat and I interviewed them for the podcast. So that 
if you're listening to um, this on the Friday, it's already out. I have uploaded both files at the same time. So please go and listen to it. It's also on YouTube. I took it as video footage. Now bear in mind that the video footage was done on the boat itself. So there is a little bit of uh, movement that goes on and we were outside so the light does change but the audio quality is pretty good. Um, so look for Rivernet's interview. Uh, Fabulous couple, really lovely to spend time with. And at the end of the interview, they're also a folk um, duo. Um, Becky plays the accordion and Marcus plays the violin. And at the end of it, I was stood with a coffee and they played me some of the tunes that they play. I love their folk duo is called Das Boote Muck Boat Face because Marcus is German and they live on a boat. I love it. They're just they're just lovely, lovely people dyeing the most incredible yarn. Whilst I was on the boat, she put she was telling me within the discussions of the interview, she was telling me about a colourway that she dyed which was inspired by the giant or the Indian giant squirrel. I have never seen a creature like this. If you have never seen this thing, it looks like an indie dyer got their hands on a squirrel and played around and did hand painting on it. I'll pop a picture up. There will be one in the show notes as well. Please go and look at it and I'll put it beside the colourway so you can see exactly what it looks like. So the Indian giant squirrel has got almost like navy blue on it and red and yellow and mustardy bits and orange bits. It's the most incredible creature I have ever seen and Becky and Marcus have managed to capture that perfectly in a skin of yarn. Their dyeing techniques are amazing. The layering that they are able to do is just beautiful and it's subtle so there's no harsh break from one colour to the next. It is just beautiful. This is the, the one that I'm holding up is the Blueface Lester 4-ply and this retails for just um, 15.95 per 100 grams. Now, the way it is these days, you can be paying 23, 24 pounds for a skein of hand-dyed yarns. So the fact that Becky and Marcus are doing something as beautiful as the Indian giant squirrel on Blueface Lester and it's less than 16 pounds, I'm just gobsmacked. This is one of the reasons that they're one of my new favourite dyers. The just the technique that they've used and the pricing point is it's it's amazing, it's incredible. So the other little bits that I got were um Dorset Button Pack from Tanya at TG Frog. Uh I don't know if you know about Dorset Buttons, but it is something that came from Dorset on the south coast of England. And it uses yarn around hoops in specific designs and a specific structure to give you something that could be used as um, stitch markers or a brooch or um, buttons, aptly named buttons. And I love what Tanya does with hers, and I've never, um, I've never tried it. And I've meant to, for all the times that I see Tanya at shows, I've always meant to buy one of her packs and never quite got round to it. And she's got it all there with really good instructions. The needle, the rings, and the yarn that she used is from um, Ripples Craft, who's a, Helen is a Scottish-based dyer 
who is on the west coast of Scotland and Tanya's got a real affinity with her yarn so often uses it because of the colours that you get through the buttons. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that I can have something done and made up before I see Tanya next. Really, really good value for money as well. So this little pack, which will give you seven 25mm rings and all the yarn that you need, was only £5.50 with all the instructions as well. I thought that was really good value for money. And um, what Tanya tends to do is when she's made a shawl, she will then make a corresponding dorset button pin to go with that shawl. And she showed these off at the Caithness Craft Retreat that I was at a year and a half ago. And her shawls are beautiful anyway. But when she puts this contrast colour dorset button brooch onto the shawls, it just takes it to another level. It's absolutely beautiful. So much so that I asked her to make me some when we were doing take two. There are dorset buttons that Tanya's made in the whistle bear yarn for my Coliseum shawl. So if you look at the photography of that, when you see a, a brooch, that's that was made by Tanya and that's a dorset button that's on it. So I'm quite excited. I'm looking forward to having a weekend where I can just sit and learn the traditional art of dorset button making. So I have um, under Big Up, I have got a couple more podcasts for you. They're both on YouTube and they're both crochet. So one of them you may already know, but they were not new to me, but I finally got around to watching them, watching most of her back catalogue. And it's a lady called Diane, and she is also known as Adidas Designs. Most of you will have heard of her because she did the Blur shawl, which was like a crocheted version of the Find Your Fade. And she's an incredible designer. Very stylish, but also really quite contemporary. And I, I love what she's doing with crochet design. Um, and so I've been watching her podcast. She's very um, sharing with her design process, which is one of the reasons that I um, added the designs in progress part. I stole it from her. And um, I figured it just might be something that people are interested in because I was naturally interested in what she was up to and what inspires her as a designer. And also she lives in Australia, so her lifestyle seems to be very different from mine. And of course the seasons are different and it's just it's just nice this idea of being able to watch another designer on the complete opposite side of the globe and see what they're up to and what yarns they're using. I, f I find that intriguing. Um, so that's Adidas Designs podcast and again links are in the show notes so go and have a look there and you'll find her on YouTube. And the second is a new one that I came across just this week. Um, the lady's name is Amber and she has the Thread the Love podcast. She's got a couple of episodes out at the moment. She seems to be, like, she's very new. Um, she does tutorials and stuff as well. And again, she's a crochet designer and um, I think she's trying to podcast every couple of weeks. And her podcasts tend to be... Um, just under 30 minutes. Dion's are a, just under an hour. Um, Amber's are just under 30 minutes. And uh, yeah, interested to see what more she comes out with. Um, it's so nice. There are so many new crochet podcasts on the go. It's lovely to see. So final bit is what's good. Um, the first one is reiteration. I am over the moon that we know that Clarisbeth and Caroline are... Well, it was getting to the point where I was starting to scan through 
um, well, scan to try and find police reports and stuff coming out of Puerto Rico um, just to try and work out whether she was okay or not. So overjoyed to find out that they are fine. Um, it's been really nice spending time with Charlie as well from the Love Charlie podcast. Um, I just love the fact that I've got somebody local who's a podcaster as well. It's really, it's a bit selfish, but it's really nice. I see lots of other podcasters that are able to meet up, you know, across the globe, I mean, and it's nice to have somebody local that's got that shared understanding and interest. Um, and I would say also the the interview with Becky and Marcus from Rivernet. It was really nice to go and sit on their boat and chill out and lovely folk and very giving of their time as well. So thank you to them and please go and listen to their listen to their interview. Thank you very much for tuning in, as always, um, for you know, this podcast and every other one, there's a real increase in numbers happening and we're almost at a thousand subscribers as well, which is just, it's fantastic and loads of great chatter on Ravelry and I'm ever grateful for the amount of people that are part of the Crochet Circle podcast community. Um, I love you all, you're fantastic and you make me sitting here chatting away really worthwhile it's um it's very engaging you make me learn loads of things not that you make me you know you're not there threatening me unless i come come to the podcast with new things but um you know the very reciprocal spirit that we've got with this podcast and the community it's very giving and um i really appreciate that so thank you um yeah it's nice and i will see you next month in november when i will be wearing my own crocheted jumper and we will be kicking off with the crisscross crochet along and all manner of good things will be happening right on that note i'm off have a lovely october see you guys in november <laughs>